Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Liam and Sean. How are you Liam? I'm alright, thanks. Uh, back after a wee COVID scare. Thankfully I managed to avoid catching the plague, but uh, yeah, doing okay. <laughs> and how are you Sean? I, I also don't have COVID. You could uh, almost say uh, everybody's negative. Everybody's negative. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, off to a good start. <laughs> You're nice and early, lovely. Yeah, so um, what we'll do is we'll just go through our the usual spiel at the start. So thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Sew It Down Under podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, also, Sew It Down Under podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They support us. So use the code CDU20 to get 20% off and free shipping. Get on to manscaped.com, have a look at it, and at the checkout, use the code CDU20. All right, so we'll jump straight into the um, the first topic we have, which is a bit of a uh, sad one. Dr. Joe Vengloss passed away. So from my point of view over here in Australia, I was just saying to Sean and Liam before we were recording that my memories of him are going to be a lot lesser than theirs because based over here in Australia, no internet, we didn't get press conferences, we didn't get all the media and everything. So there wasn't a lot of coverage of Celtic until he signed Mark Viduka. So from my point of view, that's as limited knowledge mine is of what Dr. Joe did other than the games and things that happened. So what I'll do is I'll throw to Sean and Liam here. I'll go to you, Liam, and let you you guys run with this topic. Yeah, well, um, the thing about the thing to remember about Dr. Joseph Vengloss is that he was already a very – well-respected and accomplished figure in world football before he even came to Celtic. Um, assistant coach to the 1976 Czechoslovakia team that won the, Euro, that won the Euros. Um, as a manager in his own right, took Czechoslovakia to the quarterfinals of the 1990 World Cup, their last international tournament, and then had some success managing Slovakia when they became an independent nation a couple of years later. Um, so a guy who really actually on paper had one of the best CVs that a Celtic manager ever had prior to coming to Celtic, I think. Um, Unfortunately, he came to Celtic at a time when we were in a period of transition. Vim Janssen had just stopped the 10, but then he, um, you know, for a number of reasons, he decided that one season was enough and he was out the door. Um, And Joe Vengloss came into a team that was very much in transition. Um, And it was tough for him. You know, a manager would normally like to have time to settle in and get to know this, get to know the the league, get to know the players, get to know the situation. But at Celtic, you just you're never going to get that time, unfortunately. But Joe Vengloss's single most significant contribution in my book was that he signed my all-time favourite Celtic player, Lubomir Moravchik, um, yeah. a uh, fellow Slovakian. And an absolute genius. I would say the most naturally gifted player I have ever seen in a Celtic shirt. Now, bear in mind, Jimmy Johnson was before my time. Henrik Larsson, you could argue, was technically a more accomplished all-round footballer. But just for sheer natural ability, I've never seen anybody like Lubo. And that was that was Joe Vengloss's doing. And he also gave me one of the best birthday presents I've ever had. Because on the 21st of November 1998... We gubbed the Huns 5-1 in 
in one of the most magnificent annihilations you'll ever see. Also, the last time we ever played them at three o'clock on a Saturday, strangely enough. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, he didn't win any trophies, but he won plenty of respect for um, trying to play the Celtic way with a team that, as I said, was not the most settled and the club that was still finding its feet financially. Because remember, this is only four years after we nearly went bankrupt. And Celtic were still trying to re-establish themselves as the team in Scottish football. And Joe Venglos probably doesn't get the credit, but he laid a lot of the foundation in terms of our international scouting, in terms of looking beyond the usual sources for players that Martin O'Neill came in a couple of years later and kicked it up a few levels more. So I think, in, a, in no small part, our current dominance, perhaps the seeds of it were sown under Joe Vengloss, and that's how I hope that most Celtic fans will remember him. Yeah, I feel he's he was harsh. He, de- he was dealt a harsh hand. The, the two things for me that stand out are the two that you highlighted the most, uh, Liam, that's the, the signed Lubo and uh, the 5-1 game. I also would like to point out that to live to your mid-80s is a pretty good innings, uh, particularly when you've coming out of the Eastern Bloc, you know, in uh, mm. what was a pretty rough time when he would have been in his formative and mid, even his middle age uh, years. Uh, but he also had the... What he had to fight against was Frankenstein FC uh, across the city in Govan who, after Celtic stopped the 10, decided that tax was optional and started pulling in players from all over the world. I mean, rumour has it they were already doing tax avoidance, but the, the one they got caught for started in 1998, which was when Dr Joe took over. So, you know, it's a pretty harsh hand to be dealt, um, to be honest. And like, you could also offer John Barnes that same excuse, because those two years were the two where they were running the double tax avoidance scheme. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, who knows? History might have been different if we were on a level playing field. But, uh, I, you know, I like the guy. The media didn't particularly like him. I think uh, because, yeah, I think I think that's a foreign, a foreign thing. Like when somebody doesn't speak the local lingo and idioms and understand the nuances of what the media are asking them, they tend to kind of get hung out to dry. And he, he, he had a pretty bad reputation in the media for that reason. You know, sorry to come back in for a second. On that point, Sean, you raise a good point mm-hmm. there. Um, I remember at the time the media making a big song and dance about how old he was, about how at 62 years old he was an old fuddy-duddy and too old to be managing a, foot, a, a team like Celtic. And yet everybody is pissing themselves right now over Rafa Benitez, who's only 18 months younger than jo- Dr. Joe was when he became our manager. It's funny mm-hmm. how times change, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, just, I guess it was just a thing at the time, wasn't it? Aye. One thing I'll just jump in on here to um, bring an Australian tint to it is that he started his coaching career over here at FC Prague in Sydney and then actually coached the Australian national team in 1967. So, yeah, there was a little tie in there as well that I was like, when I was looking into it earlier in the week, I'm like, shit, didn't know he coached over here and coached our national team. But, yeah, very well-travelled man. Played a lot of – like, did a lot of stuff and, yeah, very important. What you're saying, Liam, I hadn't thought of it like that. So, you know, 
the extended scouting and that side of it. That's why these podcasts are good, hearing different people's points of view. And yeah, now I'm just like, wow, okay, it's good to see that. Um, and yeah, may you rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we'll do next is we'll lump. You brought up Rafa Benitez. For some reason, my computer auto-corrected that to Rafa Bentley. That's got to be the most ridiculous name ever. But I thought, manager, I, I thought I was deliberate. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Good old auto-correct. Now, nah, so we've got um, a few manager uh, rumors. So we've had the Eddie Howe ones going on for God knows how long now. And then coming into the mix was Rafa Benitez. And then within about four minutes of him getting sacked at Chelsea, Frank Lampard's name was mentioned as well. And then we've got the local candidate whose name keeps popping up is Jack Ross. So, and then I was talking to you, Sean, before we got on that we're being linked again to Villas Boas, who's in a bit of trouble at Marseille at the moment and could be losing his job there. So if Lennon was to be relieved of his position, of those five names, who would you go for and why, Liam? Hmm. My instinct would say Rafa Benitez or Vilas Boas. That's the two I would I would fancy out of the, the the ones offered. Benitez, I think, is the most accomplished coach of them all. The one who, if you want a steady hand to come in and immediately start making necessary changes, then that's your guy. Um, unfortunately, there's the issue of would the board allow him to do that? And I think the root of a lot of our problems now is the fact that the board will not give a manager full control and Benitez will not tolerate being interfered with if he wants to do things his way. Um, Villas-Boas is an interesting one because I'm I'm quite a student of like the lineage of managers. And, you know, Martin O'Neill was of the Brian Clough lineage you know, with his time at Nottingham Forest and learning from Brian Clough how to manage. So I saw elements of Brian Clough in Martin O'Neill. Villas-Boas um, had a similar thing with Bobby Robson, learned a lot from him uh, as a young man and, and worked with him when he was at Porto, I believe. And uh, so there might be a bit of the Bobby Robson about that, and that's a, a manager I've got a lot of respect for. So it'd be interesting to see if he brought any of those elements to bear. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one to think of. But like we'll come we'll jump to you in a second, Sean. But for me going through this is I would have automatically gone the same way with you there, Liam, where with Rafa or even VS Boas. However, I watched a a doco online, mm-hmm. minus seventeen, about Bournemouth when Eddie Howe took over and that season he took over as a thirty one year old manager at Bournemouth and Stabilised, and there was a lot of positives on situation where it was a fragmented team, fragmented board, fragmented locker room, and he managed to pull everyone together and build it up, and they avoided relegation and all that. And mm. off the back of that, I watched a bunch of other docos and um, him when he's mic'd up at training and that. And the more and more I see of him, the more I'm like, I want Eddie Howe in that chair. Like realistically. Benitez for name value vs Boas for experience. Those two, great. Frank Lampard would be good according to Old Firm Inc. if that's what people are looking at. 
Yes, I felt dirty saying that, but Neil Lennon brought that up the other day about mentioned the old firm, and I'm like, it's they're, they're dead. But if imagine the media beat up if you had Lampard versus Gerrard at the two biggest clubs in Scotland. Aye. That's that's not something that we should be looking at in my point of view. I don't want us to settle on a manager based on name value alone. And that me saying I don't want us to settle for a manager based on name value alone doesn't automatically mean that Jack Ross is the guy for the chair. He's probably the best local-based candidate in Scotland other than Steve Clark. But realistically, for me, it goes Eddie Howe, then it goes Rafa, then V.S. Boas, then Jack Ross, then Frank Lampard. Mm. Jack Ross has got some experience. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, well, as you, as you guys say, I'm pretty similarly minded. Uh, Frank Lampard can piss off straight away, not in the slightest bit interested. And then, as you two said, Eddie Howe and Rafa Benitez would be my top two. And honestly, I'd struggle to choose between them uh, for different reasons. Uh, Benitez would give us gravitas, could attract big names that we wouldn't otherwise get. Eddie Howe can do what Brendan Rodgers does and turn a £5 million player into a £20 million player and, you know, really professionalises the whole structure of a club, which is something that Lennon has reversed at Celtic. So either of them, for different reasons, I would take in a heartbeat. Uh, V.S. Boas, I think he's along the same lines as Eddie Howe in that he's all about modern professionalism, but I'm not overly convinced about his man management. Uh, Jack Ross, let's be honest, is the poor man's Brendan Rodgers. And well, I rate him, and I think he's the most realistic of all the names uh, that you've said to me here. And that, you know what, he's, I have to say he's the most realistic out of every name that's been mentioned, I think. Um, and he's probably who we're going to end up with. But, you know, it would be fifth on that list. But that's a pretty a pretty heady list. So off the back of that then, Sean, if you could pick anyone to come in and take that role then, a realistic anyone, who would you pick for the role then? Or what do you think we're going to have in the role? Well, I do think Eddie Howe and Rafa Benitez are realistic if the board are wishing to uh, are willing to give up con- well, so excuse me, not the board, if Peter Lawwell is willing to give up control of football operations and they're willing to reward them you know, whatever it is, say oh, three, four million for making the Champions League, whatever whatever way they want to incentivize financially, they are realistic, not under the way we currently operate. If you're talking about under the way we currently operate, Lawwell likes a yes man. That's you know, he wants Lennon, somebody that's just gonna bow to his will and, and Jack Ross is reputation is not sufficiently developed to I might be misjudging him, but he, you know he would he could be fit under Lowell's thumb, and that's why to me he seems the most realistic from that list. That's not to say that the other ones are realistic. It's just under our current structure, he's the only one that seems realistic. What do you think, Liam? Well, going on the assumption, and it's a big assumption, but it's what I believe has to happen. On the assumption that Peter Lowell does not retain his current role at the club beyond the summer, 
Either he steps back or he leaves Celtic altogether. I, I think Rafa's the man. Um, I like I like Benitez's approach to management. I like the way his teams play the game. But there's a more there's a more personal thing to this. Um, you guys might remember back in I think it was 2001 or 2002, we played Benitez's Valencia in the UEFA Cup, and in the end up they beat us on penalties, knocked us out in penalties at Celtic Park. And I remember I was working at Celtic Park at the time with my dad's company as part of the catering operation. So we were standing sort of behind the goal. The penalties were being taken. But the rules were at that time that the fans of the opposing team had to stay in the ground for 15 minutes after full time. So Valencia fans are all still there. And there's a few angry Celtic fans because we've just been knocked out in penalties, obviously. And um, after the full time whistle, some arsehole in the Valencia crowd whips out a Rangers flag and starts waving it. And there's almost a, a riot is about to kick off. Benitez comes running up the touchline and basically tells all the fans to shut up and calm down. Directly talking to the fans, he's like, oh, you calm down, stop it, whatever he said in Spanish, I don't know, but you can tell with the, the gestures of his hands, he was like, you know, can it, can, calm down. And I just thought, there's a guy that knows how to communicate with the supporters. And that is something Celtic are really missing right now, is someone who can actually reach out on a personal level and actually talk to the fans directly. Neil Lennon used to be able to do that, but with all the stuff that's happened this season, that relationship has been damaged. It's not his fault, but he's been put in a position where he's now perceived as a, as a club yes-man rather than a fan who is a manager. And I think Benitez has the right psychology to overcome that. Well, you're talking about Rafa and the relationship he builds with his fan bases. Look at, you speak to any Newcastle United fan and they love the guy. Yeah. So do Liverpool, so do Valencia. Yeah. Didn't they have a pretty awful nickname for him when he was the Liverpool manager? Uh, was it a, the Fat Waiter or something like that? Or was, oh, che- or was that when he was Chelsea? I'm sure I remember that name, that nickname. It was the Fat Waiter or the Bald Waiter or something like that. Sounds like a Chelsea thing to me. It might be yeah. Chelsea, yeah. Uh... Oh, choo choo. Hey, train time, everyone. Choo choo. <laughs> All right, so. For me, I'd be saying, what I think we'll do is if we take any one of those managers off that list, it'll probably be an Eddie Howe, Rafa, if they give up control, like the board does for the football operations. If not, I hope like hell we go down the um, director of football path, bring in, as I've mentioned him numerous times, Jackie McNamara for that role or someone similar who's been a manager, been involved at youth level, you know who'd also be, I reckon, would be really good as a director of football? Ronnie, bring him back if we need to. Someone like that to come in. Right. And then if you're going to have a young, a younger manager, if that's the path they want to go, someone to come through, then that's where you get your Sean Maloney in or you try and get Damien Duff in or someone like that working under that sort of person. But I don't know. Do we want the flashy? Do we like the flashy thing or do we want the the sensible thing. Another thing that I'd like to see happen is for Peter Law- Peter Lawwell to actually, rather than leave the club, I'd rather he retired onto the a non-executive or a you know some sort of financial position on the board because he has lots of good business contacts and relationships and he's in on uh, all these professional game committees and things like that. Like I, I'd love for him to never talk to a director of football or football manager at our club ever again. 
but I would also like for him to stay in a business capacity because he look. Let's be realistic. He is good at that part of his job, um, but his interference in other parts make him toxic at the moment. And uh, the reason why he probably wouldn't do what I'm suggesting is because you know he wouldn't be getting paid what he gets paid at the moment. Um, he would have to basically do it very little money, uh, and that's why I'm saying retire because it would not be anything like the kind of status he has at the moment or or the status that he turned down when Arsenal came in for him or you know whatever. But let's not forget that Lowell does have a lot of very strong uh, attributes, but being involved in the football side is not one of is not that. Mm. It's a good point. Um, thing about Lowell though, and again I don't know the guy personally, but he just he strikes me as quite a quite an arrogant man to the point where I don't think he would accept any perceived reduction in his power base, you know? Which is why I don't see him accepting being moved upstairs. Well, he purports to be a Celtic fan, so shouldn't he do what's best for Celtic? (laughs) I will. (laughs) That is that. (laughs) Good one, Sean, good one. (laughs) Hang on. <laughs> As if. Nah, it's, um, I see your point, though. You're both making some good points there. Um, yeah, I think a lot's going to, what happens going forward is going to depend on what happens with him in that chair and then what sort of structure went off the back of it. So I'll take it to uh, watch this space for us all. Yep. Yep. Because we could keep talking about this for another half hour and still not get anywhere with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Jeremy Frimpong off to buy Leverkusen for £11.5 million. 30% sell-on of that goes to Man City. So we're making about £8 million on that. So considering we spent, we signed him for, what, like 350000 or something 18 months ago, it's a good little profit there. Um, what are your thoughts on it, Sean? Yep, good business. Uh, I think he had a lot of unrealised potential. I think he's had... Uh, Try poor season and look uh, and I, I think a lot of that is regressed actually and a lot of that's down to coaching so I was kind of hoping that you know when if someone like Eddie Howe came in he would step up that next level but uh, if that's not on the horizon then it's pretty good business for your second choice right back and I hope that we try and do that sort of thing again you know get, bring back Leo Connor and make him the next one or you know, tap up Man City. Who's your next one that's not getting a game that we can flip and yeah, can deal with? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, it's it's kind of came out the blue, but Lennon saying it's been in the works for five or six weeks. So one positive that I took from that is that they seem to have shut down the leaks. You know, because there, there was nothing in us. It just came out of nowhere, and but Lennon saying it's been in the works. So well played, Lennon for cutting out the leaks at Celtic Park. You know what? Reflection tactics, they go to Dubai. Everyone's going to be up in arms about that. No one's going to be talking about any potential transfers out. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) If anyone's unsure, that was me just being sarcastic, by the way, (laughs) just for the record. But, yeah, off the back of what um, Lenny said, as well he goes, there's, a few others that would probably be looking to move on. Now, the rumours are that would be there's offers being readied for 
Edward, Christy, and then Cham. Over to you, boys, on your thoughts on that. I'll go to you, Liam. You touched um, on Frimpong going to those others. Hi. Well, first of all, I wish Frimpong all the best. I don't I don't think he's, um, you know, he's not had the best of seasons, but the frustrating thing is I know he's going to go somewhere else and be an absolute star because he has the potential. Um, and I just don't think Celtic's a particularly good environment for any emerging footballer at the moment because there's just so much tension in the place. Um, so there's that. The, um, these other transfers, um, I honestly think if we can get enough money in, move them all on. I don't think any of them have a long-term future at Celtic. And the season's humped as it is, so might as well get the money in now and build for next season. I'm looking at it going, Christie is duplicate talent with uh, Turnbull, and Turnbull gives us more in terms of free kicks and corners as well. So I'd rather Turnbull play instead of Christie in that role. Yeah. James being personal non grata pretty much this season, no need for him here in the same way Rogic has as well. So if Christie and Cham or even Rogic throwing him in, offers come in for them that are decent, see you later, they can go. I'd rather that happen and then that frees up our midfield to let a guy like Luke O'Connell get into the rotation or what's it um, – it's a guy who was up at Gillingham again. Robertson, is it? Uh, Henderson, was it not? Uh, Robertson. Uh, it was Robertson. Robertson. Oh, we'll give Robertson some games in there as well. Like I'd like to see those couple of guys get in and get a get some games as well. Eddie, yeah, I think if the offer's right, he could go as well. Um, and then we actually will see what we've got in terms of a Yeti, what sort of player he is when he's getting consistent run of games alongside Griffiths as well. So... What's your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, look, there's no sacred cows. Uh, everyone has their value, and given that we've nothing left to play for this year, maybe a Scottish Cup, uh, get maximum value. There's a big difference in the value of a player when he's got 18 months left in his contract versus 12 months. And and Cham has been here 18 months longer than he needed to be. If anything, holding on to these guys has proved that the, the system we were operating before, where you know, people flip out like, Oh, Tierney, oh, why, lack of ambition and blah, blah, blah. Dembele, oh, Van Dijk, Wanyama, selling these players shows a lack of ambition. Well, we've held on to everyone this year and what it's proven is that keeping players like hungry players that have ambition, keeping them that bit longer makes them overripe and underdone, you know, like it makes it, they're past their, what they're going to give us, past the best, not not past their best, but past the best that they're going to give us, if that makes sense. And and I think we need to move these guys on, I do. And I, I think the team will be better for it. I think our bank balance will be better for it. I think the next incoming manager will have more transfer funds and will be better for it. I, I honestly, I don't really see the negatives uh, of them going, to be honest with you. I, maybe you guys can make the case. Well, but I want to. I agree with you 100%. Same here. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean it in a better way. Like, I appreciate these guys. They're very talented. Uh, I love them. I, I love them for what they've done for the team. Scored some brilliant goals, gave me some great memories, but now is the time. Or maybe six months ago was the time, or in the case in Cham, 18 months ago was the time, you know? Well, the talk was we were going to get through, get the 10, and then undergo a big rebuild this offseason coming up, right? Now this off season, you also got the Euros. You've got so it's not going to be it's going to be hard to get players in for medicals, 
people will be away. You've got a whole bunch of things going on in the off-season. Change of potential change of board, like CEO, manager, if a director of football comes in, all that. It's going to be that much change going on that if you factor in maybe eight or nine players plus the guys on loans leaving to then bring in a bunch of guys to do all that in a three, four-week window before from when the Euros are over and to when the European qualifiers and that start for us, that's going to be tough. So if you need to move guys on now, get them out, see what we've got left over with the rest of it. So if the new guy is going to come in, he can, he'll can he have five, six months of, of game tape there to look at it and go, oh, so in this game here, Robertson played and his positioning here as well, here's that there's his positioning's well, he's doing this right, he needs to improve on that, and they can get a bit of a, an idea for what players are contracted to the club going forward, then all they need to do is go, okay, so we're going to need to get two centre-backs, a right-back, a left-back, we need to get another striker and a winger. Okay, cool. Six positions to fill. How much money do we have sitting there? Cool, let's go. Identify them, get it done. So they can be a bit cleverer in that regard. So I'd rather... Players go out now, get the funds in, and then give us a chance to assess the squad before we go out and sign people next season. Yep. Actually, on the point of the Euros, which I totally forgot about, maybe that's where you could perhaps... Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but you can maybe make the case for keeping Christie a wee bit longer. Because if he goes to the Euros and has a good one, then his value could go up quite a bit. Good point. Um, yeah, but personally, I thought they're going to get gubbed in round one, so it probably doesn't matter either way. But if Christie plays well against England, mm. boom, there you go, skyrocket. Aye, aye. It literally would only take that one game. Yeah, doesn't matter what he does in the other games. If he plays well against England, that's going to make the guys down south get those checkbooks out, get a bit of a, you know, they'll get a little bit all excited from it, you know using their DAX, and then they'll just make out these crazy big checks. There you go. Did, did you see which uh, English team he's been linked with? Don't surprise me. Go on. Who would you guess? Southampton. Yep. Southampton or Leicester? <laughs> Southampton, yeah. <laughs> it's Celtic's feeder club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or rather the other way around, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're their feeder club. <laughs> and they're uh, Liverpool's feeder club. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we'll leave that topic there then. We'll go on to this morning for us. Yesterday's game for the guys over in Scotland and Ireland and everything. Celtic 2, Hamilton 0. Sean, over to you. Yes, yeah, the the first uh, midweek slash early morning, wherever you want to look at it. The first midweek game this season that I've not got up for that I've just watched that I've not watched live that I've watched it in the morning and and the reason for that is is there's just no there's not really any hope left and there's not much energy around the the club at the moment and and it's all very much reflected and if you watch Lennon's pre-match interviews and post-match and even the press conference like the day before it's almost like we're just going through the motions now at the moment and Lennon's a dead man walking and the players are I don't know what it's like Players are just looking for reasons to motivate themselves. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Soros post-match interview, and like he's, he's happy, but he's also kind of talking about his motivation is just to be better than the last game, kind of thing. He's not talking about winning. 
prizes or even winning games, you know. Uh, in terms of what actually happened during the game, I thought we were okay. Um, not spectacular. Uh, we had plenty of blocked shots in the first half, so we were getting into the box, but not with any great quality. Uh, the Griff, the Griffiths goal was a great finish. Uh, although I feel like if he got a touch up, like when he tried to let the ball come across him and take a touch, he actually missed his touch, and that kind of caught the Hamilton defence off guard and then made space for himself by the fact that he missed it. Uh, and then shortly after that, Hamilton Aki's missed an absolute sitter. I don't know if you remember. It was uh, ooh, 20, 25 minutes in. I don't remember. And so the ball came in. Yeah, and he was completely free. Oh, on, that's on, shock. Yeah, six-yard line, completely free. Could have took a touch if he wanted to, but he took it first time and put it wide. And I was like, wow, that should be a goal. Do you know what I mean? What he needed to do was just get his hip onto it and just, you know, just bump it in with his hip. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. Just had to stand. Something to bump it in that general direction and it would have been in. Yeah, exactly. And look, Griffiths missed two setters as well. There was one where he let it run through his own legs. Uh, another one where uh, he took a, it was a ball over the top from Duffy and he took a touch and I don't know what he was doing. He just kind of fluffed it instead rather than rattling it in. But yeah, I think it was one of those nights where people were kind of going through the motions. Uh, Edward was just not even, I think he was invisible in the first half. He came out a bit in the second half and, you know, stuff, Lennon must have told him at half time, oh, get out there and do some showboating because he did. And he kind of got a bit of good fortune for the goal, but he was, you know, looking alive in the second half for a bit. Uh, in the first half, there was one counter attack we had and. What I noted from it was there was like five or six Celtic players piling forward uh, on this counter-attack and Edward was not one of them. And I was like, right, that just came from a Hamilton Aki's corner or free kick or whatever it was. And he's, sorry, it wasn't, it was open play. So he wasn't back because it wasn't a set piece. So it was open play and we had a counter-attack and he's not even in the camera shot when we were going into the box. Where is he? Literally didn't know where he was. Yeah. Uh, they, they gave Sorrow the man of match. Yeah, fair enough. He was tidy. Iron Taylor did well. Fullback as well. Um, yeah. If Griffiths had scored one of those two setters, probably given it to him. Yeah, I thought Griffiths could have scored a hat-trick mm-hmm. quite comfortably. Um, Edouard even had enough chances. What I found frustrating with watching him in the game was when he was through one-on-one with a keeper or him and one-on-one with a defender... He just, it's like it was too easy for him. So he's like, whatever. And he <laughs> stuffed it up. But you get him the most complicated shit that he had the whole game to do, and he scores a goal. Like, come on. Yeah. What was your take, Liam? Yeah, it was a, it was just one, it, it was bizarre, although we're only in January. It, it felt like one of those end of season games, you know, where like you, you're not really sure what the score's going to be and you get the feeling like nobody really felt like they'd be that bothered if we didn't win. Um, there was a notable improvement in the second half over the first half, but it's all still very flat. And like you say, the Hamilton player should have scored right before you know, right before we got our second goal. And um, yeah, just, the team's all over the place right now. And we, we won, but... Not, not in a way that inspires any kind of confidence going forward, I'm afraid. 
No, it was very much like one of those uh, kind of October wins we had, where we had that run of wins that were all really kind of insipid wins, you know? Yeah. It, it wasn't like that those, that December period where we were actually playing well. It wasn't like that. It was a callback to that kind of uh, October time, you know? Aye. Well, I got a message from the guys at Celtic1967 on Twitter because they, they've got their app and everything on there, and the guy sent me a message saying, not the most entertaining game, but a win is a win. It's three points in the bag. That's pretty much the best summary of it I could have because, yeah, if we lost the game, and I was talking to my missus this morning as well and said to her, oh, yeah, we had a win, and she's like, good, because it was a draw and we lost more space. Season's over. Well, we're still, still playing for second, mate. Aberdeen dropped points last night and so did Hibs, so it's good. Result for us. <laughs> Rangers yeah. put us a favour. Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Christ. So the, the the referee that didn't send off Morelos. Oh, aye, aye. I only stamped on him once, though. You know, hmm. that was pathetic. But do you expect any different? Nah, nah, nah. It's that's that's just the way the season is this year. They're just going to one nil it every week or whatever, and we'll we'll have a million chances and two goals. And if we get lucky in, at the back, then win the game and if we don't get lucky then you know it's, it's not even down to defending ability it's just luck whether we keep a clean sheet or not now when was the last time you shaved that quarantine bush in your pants support for Celtic Down Under is brought to you by Manscaped who are the best in men's below the waist grooming Manscaped offer precision engineering tools for your family jewels good news is Manscaped has just launched in Australia we've gone years without using the right tools for the job you can be one of the first to experience their life changing products here in Australia Manscaped have redesigned their electric trimmer the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 trimmer their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The trimmer is also waterproof which allows you to groom in the shower. It also has an LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've upgraded the engine to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me to speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CDU20. Crikey, mate, it's time to shave those balls. So, you come up with an idea to uh, for the podcast here, Sean. But before we do that, what do you guys reckon our game on the weekend is going to be like and score prediction? What time is it at? So I'm just checking out now. Is it uh, St Mirren at 11, 11, 11 o'clock from me? So what, I don't know what time it is. <laughs> He's got sound effects going. Sorry, it was the app I'm using. It's something <laughs> advert on. Um, so 11 o'clock on Saturday. Saturday, yeah, so 11pm for me on Saturday. 2am for me, perfect. Uh, so Mirren had a really good win last night, they won 5-1. Um, yeah. Two penalties. Um, what, someone other than Rangers got penalties? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember we talked about that last time, actually, I went back and checked it. The Huns have con- they conceded two penalties in the last year, but neither of them were in the league 
it was one against St. Marin in the League Cup and one against Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League. And that's the only two penalties they've had against them in the last year. So, yeah, we got St. Marin on Saturday over there and then on Tuesday night over there. So, Wednesday morning, we've got a game against Killy before our next podcast. So, what do you boys expect from those games? Well, the submitted ones at home, oh, it's going to be the same as the Hamilton game, isn't it? They're going to park, yeah. park the bus. We're going to knock it. We're going to get into the box and do nothing. <sighs> we might concede a goal for a set piece. We might not. Oh man, I'm just not excited Three for it. That's all I'm here for. Yeah, two one. I'll go with two one. I'm not excited yeah. for it at all. Kamarnock will probably be the same, except we'll probably win one 0 because it's away. Uh, yeah. That's, that's my thoughts. Kamarnock aren't very great scoring goals. What do you reckon, Liam? You've just scooped me there because I was I was literally going to say two one at the weekend and then one nil one nil against Kilmarnock. That's the that's the way it's going to go. Because that the way that defence played last night, play that way again against St Mirren, who I think are a bit better than Hamilton. Um, yeah, they'll score. We'll probably still win, but but they'll score. So I either two or three one. Um, Kilmarnock it'll be a a dour dull ugly game and we'll win 1-0 possibly with a free kick alright I'll just gonna, I'll do it in the backwards order Kilmarnock will be a 2-0 win for us but it'll be two early goals and then it will just be boring turgid football for the rest of the game ah the Ronnie Dyler model exactly <laughs> get a beat early and then just you know run Hold, park the bus, basically. Um, St. Mary and I, I reckon that's going to be a, a five-goal thriller with us getting up 3-2. Okay. At least that would be good to watch. Yeah, I'll take some minutes. They've, they've got a, a big, strong, powerful centre forward. And what have we got at centre back? Bitton and Duffy. Hmm. There you go. That's my reason. It would be like Lyndon Dykes against Julian last year. But this bloke's going to go and bully Bitton. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. So we'll move on to last thing for today's podcast. Sean, you wanted to do – we normally have our Would You Rather game, but we're going to do a higher or lower this week. So I'll throw it to you. Yeah, it's slightly topical. Um, hopefully we can make this a feature with some other statistics. Uh, but for this week, I thought we could do a higher or lower – game obviously I know the answer so I won't participate but uh, Jared Liam if you guys uh, to give us an insight into what we intuitively believe about some uh, Celtic history we do a higher or lower for one percentage of Celtic managers Okay. so I'll say so just to start us off I'll start uh, I'll actually start off with uh, our uh, Dr. Joseph Vengos, okay? So I'll say Dr. Yeah, Dr. Vengos won 58% of his games as a Celtic manager. So I'll give you another Celtic manager and you tell me if you think their win percentage is higher or lower. Than Dr. Joe's, right? Yeah, so So Dr. Joe to start and then we'll go through. Okay, so uh, I've not rehearsed this, so I'm just going to be kind of jumping about because I've just got a list in front of me. So uh, actually, do you know what? We'll start off. Actually, no, 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 we'll go for it, okay. So, Dr. Joe, 58%. Uh, was Ronnie Dyla higher or lower? 
Higher. Lower. It was higher. Dyla had 63.56%. I thought it'd be like 56%. It's only just lower, but anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. You can under 60% and still win the league. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, but don't let the blue noses hear. They'll say it's because they weren't in the league, like they say for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one, I'll say so higher or lower than Ronnie Dyla? Tommy Burns. Lower. Higher. It was lower. 2 0, Liam. Uh, 55.71%. But yeah, okay, so higher or lower. Uh, Now, this guy had 1,600 games, so think about that. Higher or lower, Willie Mealy. Our manager for 43 oh, years. Oh, how many leagues did we win in that time? Oh. That's it, well, Just. I'm going to say lower because on the seasons that we lost, I'll bet we lost heavily. You're back in the game, Jared. He's comfortably higher. 64, oh. 64.44%. Okay, next one up. John Barnes. Higher or lower than Willie Mealy? Willie Mealy or higher than... Is John Barnes higher or lower than Willie Mealy? Ah, okay, now i got you. I'm going to say lower. I'm going to say higher. 3-1 Liam. John Barnes has a higher win percentage than Willie Mealy. Aye, because Barnes didn't lose that many games, actually. He just lost them at the wrong times. <laughs> He only drew two games, apparently, so that was what's really... He lost eight, so 65.52% in the end. Uh, okay, next one up. Uh, Neil Lennon and his current... So Neil Lennon's second spell in charge. Higher or lower than John Barnes? Higher. Higher. Yep, 4-2 to, to Liam. It's comfortably higher. 71.29%. Brendan Rogers, higher or lower? Lower. Higher. Then Lenny, what? Then Lenny, two. Higher. Yeah, lower. Sorry, what did you say, Liam? Higher. Higher. It's, it's lower. So 4-3. Jared's back in it. 69.82. So Lennon and his current spell has a higher win percentage than Brendan Rodgers. Jock Steen, higher or lower than Brendan Rodgers? Lower. Higher. 5-3, it's higher by a bee's dick of a length of a margin. It is. Uh, Jock Steen had 70.14, just over 70%, and Rodgers just under 70%, so very, uh, very similar. Okay, uh, next one, Billy McNeil in his first spell. And 78 to 83. Lower. Lower. Yep. Both of you correct there. It's 64.2%. Okay, next one. Uh, Billy McNeil in his second spell. 87 to 91. Centenary. Lower. Lower. Correct. 55.33%. Because we were pish after the centenary season. Mm-hmm. Exactly, to the start of the 90s. 
Okay, next, Tony Mowbray. Mm. Higher or lower than Billy McNeil's second spell? Higher. Yeah, higher. Both wrong. It was lower, 51%. Oh. So, I know Liam's ahead by two, but I've kind of lost count of how many you got. Each. doesn't matter. I just... I only answered that thing and oh, I'll go the opposite of Liam there because I thought he was guaranteed <laughs> to go the same the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Lou McCarry. Higher or lower than 55%? Mm, lower. No, sorry, 51. Tony Mowbray. 51. H- higher or lower? I'll stick with lower. I said lower. Higher. It is lower. 35%. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. We were pushing the nineties. Okay. Now, uh, higher or lower? Sorry, where's I've lost the one that was going to do? Uh, Liam Brady. Sorry, there, Liam Brady. Higher. Oh, when we had Cascarino up front. Wait a minute. Uh, aye, slightly higher. It's actually comfortably higher. He was fifty-three point nine seven, so just under oh, fifty. Got to be higher than thirty something. Aye. Yeah, uh, in terms of Lou McCary is the lowest of all time by, by a good margin. Uh, next up, we'll see Vim Janssen. One season, so sample. Lower. Higher. Yeah, higher. Sample season, uh, single season bias, 64.71%. Gordon Strachan. Higher. Yep, both correct. Just though, just higher, sixty-five percent. Okay, uh, where's the one I was looking at? Davy Hay. Hmm. One one okay. lost one lower. Gerd. Oh, I said lower. Oh yeah, it was lower, fifty-seven percent, fifty-six point nine four. Okay, Neil Lennon this season, higher or lower than? Davy Hay, 56.94%. Lower. Ooh, wait a minute. Let me work this. Europe's tough too, right? Or just league games? All. All competitions are lower. All competitions are lower, yeah. It is lower, but only just. Lennon this year has a win percentage of 55.5%. Oh, God, uh, so Lenny went for 55, did he? Fucking hell. Yeah, Lenny's got 55. <sighs> That's pretty much everyone, guys, apart from some caretakers. Mm. Okay, statistically, the worst of all times, Kenny Dalglish, isn't it? Lou McCary. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no. Uh, Kenny Dalglish has the exact same as Lennon this season. Exact same. Like, That's interesting. Exact same percentage. So, Kenny, so Lennon is currently on this exact same as Kenny Dalglish did in this caretaker. Mm. Which is damning, if you ask me. Yeah. So yeah. The only ones worse than Lennon's been this year was Billy McNeil in his second spell, Liam Brady, Tony Mowbray, Jimmy McGrory, and Lou McCarry. Nothing worse. What level of shithousery is going on at Celtic this season? Because there's your proof. Yep. Yeah. Anywho... 
Is want to bring up before we uh, wind up the podcast? Oh crap! Sorry, I just realised I missed Martin O'Neill off the list. Uh, he's he's not that bit he's, higher. higher than pretty much yeah, everyone. Well, he is literally higher than everyone, so that's that's a given. Right. that's fine. So he is the number one, seventy-five percent. Yeah, no, that's all for me. Uh, I just thought I'd bring that up for some perspective because you know Lennon's been in the media talking about oh hysteria and oh, we're still doing the same things behind the scenes and we're by no means a poorly run club and blah, blah. Like he's basically saying it's all a media-manufactured image of what's actually going on. Well, that'll, that those stats might say, well, that's not the case, Neil. Hang on. Joby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, I agree, Sean, of the past uh, with that uh, assertion. I thought that was a perfect chance to throw that one in there. <laughs> All I can say is Lenny talks copious amounts of shite with that sort of comment. Yeah. I understand yeah. he's def- defending his job and his reputation, but, I mean, don't insult us. Yeah. Yeah. It's at a point now where, you know, I think an intervention is needed. Um, he- as much for his good as it is for the good of the club. Like- Aye. Because he's too proud a man to walk away himself. That's the problem. He, he, he is too much of a Celtic man to, to ever give up unless somebody tells him to give up, you know. Yep. Um, Loves the club too much for his own good, I think. Yeah, I think if you're counting trophies, he'd be... Well, certainly if you're counting leagues, he'd be the third most successful Celtic manager of all time. Aye. Bill, I mean, and I think it's like with that stat right there, you don't want to be... You don't if, like. I'm just gonna say it. I'm not a massive Neil Lennon like fanboy. I love him as a player. I loved him for what he went through for the club in terms of bullets and bombs and getting attacked on the sideline, and that he's basically came out the back of it, smiling, giving him a bit of the like, birds like up yours sort of thing, and got on with the job. Right. I love that, but there's a time and a place and you don't want to tarnish that legacy that, that a lot of us fans have of him and memories that we have of him like that to be that guy who just wouldn't leave when the time was right and couldn't read the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to make a similar comparison, um, you know, if you, I've got a few mates who are Rangers supporters. and I'm trying my best to help them through it, you know, but unfortunately they haven't seen the light yet. But the way they talk about Ali McCoist is it worries me that in time we might end up talking about Neil Lennon that way. A guy who, you know, loves his club through and through, but stayed in the manager's chair about a year or two longer than he really should have and ended up damaging the club as a result. Mm. Hopefully not. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but, you know, what we can do is continue to support our club and... Hopefully the powers that be will make the changes required. Look, t- yeah. time heals. Time heals all wounds, but we need to start the healing. Uh, you know. And to everybody that's listening, just remember, criticism of a performance or criticism of the corporate attitude of the club is not the same as hating the club. Okay, let's just step on that bullshit right now. I'm sick and tired of seeing people on the internet saying, "Oh, you're just a hater." No. I care about my club, and that's why I'm calling it out when it's not going right. Spot on, like that's exactly what we're all doing. Like, 
I don't I don't enjoy saying these things about the club, but it's because we love the club and care about the club that much that we have to say it because it needs to be out there, it needs to be discussed. And if fan media are the only people doing that, then so be it. That's what has to happen. So there's multiple podcasts, there's multiple writers, blogs, the works that are giving these stories and saying this sort of stuff. And it's not because we're haters or we're closet huns or anything like that. No, it's because we love the club and we want to see it succeed going forward. And that in the future, when I have kids, I want them to love Celtic the same way I do. So I want that option to be there. Who told you I was a closet hun? Who, who told you? Who told you? Who let you know? Everybody's negative. Everybody's negative. <laughs> I, I, I usually wear my ranger stops for these podcasts, but when we get the cameras on, I wear my Celtic one. <laughs> come in. Um, come you're in. not going out to a photo of King Billy just before we came on air, lads. You know, you've caught me. <laughs> <laughs> Come in, Agent Lampard. It's time for your next mission. Oh, All right, and with that, we'll just leave it there before, you know, everyone unsubscribes. So thanks for everyone. <laughs> uh, give our Facebook group and page a like, Instagram, Twitter, at Celtic Down. Go to CelticDownUnder.com. Other than that, hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail.